0: The scripture this morning is from Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3, and Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is God's word.
1: Thank you, Stephanie. Whoa, there's people out there. (laughs) I thought Rick's teaching a focus class second hour and... So I was expecting it might just be me and a handful. So uh, if I had candy or whatnot for my old youth ministry days to throw out to you, I would. So, uh, and I don't want to see anybody getting up now that you know that and going out to the back door. Uh, Jennifer's back there, and she's watching. So, <laughs> no, it's really good to see everybody here this morning. I uh, see you red shirts out there. And uh, at first service, I thought that was, you know, I was kind of calling you out because you're cool. But then a Trekkie came up to me after first service and said, the red shirts are the ones who always die first. So, so, I don't know. I think you're cool if you're wearing a red shirt, and uh, it means that you are here today and have signed up to go out into the community and serve the community today at what we call Charlotte Serve. And so, for those of you who may be here for the first time, this is kind of a different Sunday here at Stonebridge Church, and uh, we call it Charlotte Serve, and over 200, actually, of us are going to be going out into the community and serving at one of eight project locations this afternoon. And... Uh, Our purpose statement here at Stonebridge Church, if you're not aware of it, is advancing the kingdom of God on earth by building bridges of grace for His glory. And uh, at Stonebridge, we're encouraged to do that every day throughout the year, but this is the one day of the year that we all go out, and it's kind of all hands on deck to go out and blitz and bless the community uh, with, uh, with God's love. And so, this is what we call Charlotte Serve Sunday. And first service, I forgot to turn this on, so I'm not going to do that again this time. There we go. And so, we're going to be serving at these eight community partners uh, that you can see up there on the screen. Now, Charlotte Serve, as Kevin mentioned before, this is not the first year we're doing it. This is actually the ninth year that we've been doing this at Stonebridge Church. And in fact, Uh, For the first eight of those years, this event was led masterfully by an amazing young couple here at Stonebridge, Brian and Jameson Williams. In fact, Charlotte Sherve was their brainchild even before I got here. And ever since, way before I got here, they have been doing it, and it's become a mainstay at Stonebridge. So when Brian and Jameson started serving way back then, they weren't even married yet. (laughs) But now they're married, they've got three young kids, and so... They have handed the baton off to me. So if Charlotte, serve, your experience goes not so good today, it's, yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> but uh, they, they handed it off to me, and actually Tiffany is really in charge, so it's going to go great. Um, but just wanted to recognize those guys. Brian, are you guys here today? There they are. Would you guys stand up? <laughs> I want you guys to give them a hand. So Thank you so much for all those years of service, and they're still still part of it, but I uh, appreciate all that you guys did. And if we can't do it well after eight years of practice, man, we're going to have to find somebody else to do it. So, uh, and if you've been at Stonebridge over the last few years and you've participated in Charlotte Serve, you know that it used to be in the spring on a Saturday, but leadership decided because of the busyness of the spring season to move it from now on to the fall. And it was actually Rick's idea to move it to a Sunday and I think it's a wonderful idea not just because he's my boss but I really think it's a wonderful idea because it gives us a chance to be able to examine the importance of working as worship on a Sunday and so I think that this is something that will help us learn an important lesson how that serving our neighbors can actually be an appropriate way of spending our sun, our Sundays and our Sabbath um, just a aside, uh, I realize that the Sabbath initially was established on a Saturday. Most Christians today observe it on a Sunday. We're not going to look at that and how that came to be. And so when I say Sabbath today, you can assume I'm talking about, for our purposes here this morning, the day that most Christians observe as their day of Sabbath rest. So with today being Charlotte Serve 2017, we're going to take a special look at the Sabbath and particularly how serving on it can be a means of keeping it holy. Now, when I say the word Sabbath this morning, I probably get a number of different reactions. If you grew up in a Christian household, you might have practiced the Sabbath in such a way as you went to church and then you went home and you didn't really do anything else the rest of the day. Maybe you didn't even leave your, your house. You certainly didn't work any kind of a job or vocation. And for others, even within that group, you might not even go out to eat after church on Sunday or even go shopping. Uh, so as to not cause somebody else to work. Now, other, others of you, on the other hand, had a totally different growing up experience. You didn't go to church on Sunday, and Sunday was just another one of those days during the week where you could get some more work done. Or it was football day in the fall, or whatever day, uh, whatever sport the rest of the year. So, uh, some of you guys probably grew up that way, and, and, and others in between. But Sabbath is heard by different people with different connotations. So, I want to use today to to take a look at some of what the Bible says about the Sabbath. Now, we'll start with where the concept of the Sabbath first shows up, and that's in Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3, and Stephanie just read it. I'll read it again. By the seventh day, God had finished… Let's read it all together, okay? By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So, on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it He rested from all the work of creating He had done. So as we move through the book of Genesis and we arrive at Exodus, and now the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, and it's just a hunch, but I don't think the Egyptians have been giving them a Sabbath rest. Uh, So God, in His mercy, He frees Israel And they cross the Red Sea, and we end up at Exodus chapter 16. We see something interesting. No sooner had the Israelites set up camp than all of a sudden Moses starts talking about the Sabbath. So here's the order of of events after crossing the Red Sea. God takes care of their very basic needs. He leads them to a place with sweet water. So drink, check. He then provides manna from heaven and quail, food, check. And then he leads them to a place that's safe for them to camp, shelter, check. So all the basic necessities taken care of, and then Moses next goes into talking about the Sabbath. As soon as the basic needs are met, the next subject of discussion is the Sabbath rest. I'm just guessing, but maybe we should assume that the Sabbath was part of meeting their basic needs because of the proximity with which it was to those other bare necessities. Of course, many of us here know, too, that honoring the Sabbath and observing the Sabbath then became part of the Ten Commandments. In fact, it's the Fourth Commandment. In other words, it made the top five. So, it clearly is something important to God. And we read about that uh, the Fourth Commandment here in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Would you read this together with me? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." So here in Exodus, after the Israelites have been released, God immediately reinstitutes that which He ordained in the beginning, and then He literally wrote it in stone. Clearly, the Sabbath was, and I would argue we're going to look at today, is important to God. Now, the Hebrew word Sabbath simply means rest, but we see from the verses that we just read that there's more to observing the Sabbath than rest alone. And there are two concepts here that are particularly noteworthy and will form a basic two-part kind of framework to the rest of the sermon this morning. And they can both be found in verse 8 uh, that we just read, the first one being remember the Sabbath day and the second being keeping it holy. So what does it mean to remember the Sabbath and what does it mean to keep it holy? Well, the first one is remember And that particularly speaks to any Christians out there who may think that there's nothing wrong with treating our Sundays as just another day to get work done or just another day to do what I want to do. God says, no, remember the Sabbath. Don't forget it. Remember it and observe it because it is important. So why is it so important? There are at least a couple reasons. I believe the first of these Is from a physiological perspective, I believe God designed us to need rest. There's one group of people here this morning who have, uh, who, uh, who, who know for sure. Sorry, I got to get that out. One group of people here today who definitely know why the Sabbath was created. It's parents, (laughs) and parents, as we all know, uh, you need a day of rest from your kids. You see, God's the manufacturer. And the owner's manual says that we need a weekly rest. And believe me, the older I get, the more I understand that. There's more to the importance of observing the Sabbath than the health benefits, though. Notice in in the verses I just read that God seems to harp on work a lot. Notice that nobody's to work. You, not your kids, not the people who work for you, and not the non-Jews living in Israel. So, yeah, um, a fair question might be, should we go to lunch or shop or do anything that causes somebody to work on a Sunday? That's a fair question. Um, But I think it's important to be aware of the context as we look at these verses this morning. Israel was a theocracy, and God Himself really was their king and their ruling authority. Also, the vast majority of the population here were Jews, and this is important, who believed in Him and bought into the importance of what He was saying. Now, 21st century America, on the other hand, is a little bit different place. The U.S. as a nation is not a theocracy in the way that Israel was, and we're not under the Mosaic Covenant in the way that they were. Um, and as well, those who work on every or most Sundays most likely don't have God on the throne of their hearts anyway. So, my personal opinion is that it's not sinful, per se, to go out and eat or shop on, the, on a Sunday. Now, it would be an issue for me, as a Christ follower, to work a job that did prevent me from worshiping on all or most Sundays. But, there's no Christian in this country who is literally forced to work every Sunday who otherwise doesn't want to work on those days. So, just my opinion. If you want to come up and beat me up over that, I'll be standing down in the front after the service. <laughs> So again, what what, what though does it seem, or why though does it seem as though God has something in it for work in this passage on the Sabbath? Uh, Well, we know it's not that work is inherently bad in any way uh, because work was established before the fall in the garden, so work is good. Why no work then? Well, surprise, surprise, I think it's because God knows us. You see, God knows that at our core, many of us are workaholics, and we need to be told to stop. Why do we work so much? Because, and I know this isn't everybody here, but it can be me sometime, and it is many in our society, we work so much because, bottom line, a lot of times, you guys, we don't trust God to provide for our needs. Think about it. When God spoke these verses, the Israelites were fresh out of Egypt they were newly released slaves. Sure, Pharaoh had given the Israelites a bunch of stuff because he just wanted them to get out, but as soon as they crossed the Red Sea and they were camping out there in the desert, the average Israelite was pretty much close to destitute because, you know what, these guys, the Israelites there that he was writing to, they weren't working every day so that they could put money into their Roth IRAs. It's not whether they were working every day. You had to work every day back then basically just to survive. If you didn't work, you might even die. And so, in amongst all of this, God is saying, look, believe in me. Trust in me that I can take care of you. Yes, it's scary to give up a day of work per week, but people of God, you can trust me. And he backed it up then by giving them manna there in Exodus chapter 16, which happened literally right before Moses started talking about the Sabbath, and he gives them, get this, twice as much manna on the sixth day. Why? So that they don't have to provide anything themselves on the Sabbath. Coincidence? I really don't think so. So yes, rest is good for you because you'll burn out if you never stop to rest. Rest is also good because it reminds us to pause and to reflect on God's provision You see, the Israelites' pagan neighbors did work all the time every day for survival. But God says, you will not just survive, you will thrive if you trust in me. And that will point those other nations to trust in the one true God. And it does when we Christ followers remember the Sabbath day in our increasingly secular society today. In fact, many in our service this afternoon are going to be used by God to point people to Him as we go out and we bless and serve our community. It's definitely going to stand out because that's not typically what people do on a Sunday afternoon. So my prayer is that when people see us out and about, they will wonder why, and some might even talk to us or, or be pointed to the fact that we're doing this because we love God and because He's given us this day that we can worship Him. Now, we need physical rest almost as bad as the Israelites did. And We also need to be constantly reminded of the fact that God's got our back, And there's also no place, or no, sorry, that's a picture of the Israelites gathering manna. (laughs) Thirdly, we also need to remember that there's no better place to come and reflect on God's provision for us and to praise Him and thank Him for that than gathering with His people corporately. The weekly worship gathering aspect of Sundays actually bleeds over a little bit into the keeping it holy section that we're going to be looking at in a minute, Um, but in so doing, we demonstrate that Sunday is not just another day, and that God designed us to need it for physical rest, to remind us of who's really in charge of our needs, and to gather with other Christians to respond in worshipful thanks. So, I believe that in Exodus 20, God is primarily referring to one's vocation when He uses the word work, and that a day of rest from one's labor is a weekly reminder that God is our lifeline, not our own skill or efforts. Now, let me be clear. I am not condemning anyone here who has to work at their vocation occasionally on a Sunday. Some of you here are emergency responders, healthcare workers, work at the airport, or work any number of different jobs that don't fall into the traditional Monday to Friday pattern. Some weeks you truly don't have a choice but to work on Sunday. So, I I get that. However, I will say this. If your job or if your kids' sports or hobbies or your PSLs (laughs) do require that you be gone so many Sundays that you're regularly missing corporate worship, you really should think hard about that. Do we really need to work every or most Sundays? Or do we maybe need to take a chance on God And that He will honor the fact that we've honored Him. Are we so worried about our kids getting into just the right school that they have to do this particular activity that takes place on more Sundays than not? Again, not at all saying kids' activities are bad. Not what I'm saying. But it's kind of the same litmus test as applied to our vocation. If it causes us to regularly miss Sunday worship, we need to seriously ask ourselves whether or not our dependence on whatever that activity is takes precedence over our dependence on God. So remember the Sabbath. One, it does a body good. I'm good at, or I'm sorry, Tim is good at modern day culture references. I'm good at ones from 30 years ago. So remembering the Sabbath, it does a body good, number one. Two, it's a critical, regular reminder of God's provision for us. And three, it's an important time of gathering with others to worship and thank Him. Now, let's look at how do we keep it holy? What does God mean by that? This one speaks more to the other crowd, Christians who think that keeping the Sabbath means going to church and then just kind of shooting the breeze the rest of the day. We may think that we're checking the right box when we then go to church and then relax all afternoon on Sunday after church, but is that really what God meant entirely by keeping it holy? It's easy to mistakenly say, hey, I've gone to church, so I remembered the Sabbath, and now I'm just going to kind of do whatever I want. Not exactly. Now, I just got done telling you that God in the fourth commandment was most likely referring to working a vocation on the Sabbath as the issue. So how did that evolve into some of us being afraid to do yard work or any kind of work, really, including serving our neighbors? Well, the root of why some believers have so widely defined anything um, except for resting as work, actually started hundreds of years before Jesus. At the end of the Old Testament, from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, is a span of 400 years. And during that time, 250 plus extra laws were added on top of what was in the Scripture. 250 plus laws not found in Scripture. And another really quick little historical background to that, and it's so sad. You got to remember at the end of the Old Testament, the um, Book of Malachi, and you're talking about the, the the way the Old Testament ends. It's a lot of the prophets, and it's it's around the time of the exile, when the Jews they go from the peak of the the Promised Land after the Exodus, you know, the the, the slavery in Egypt, the peak of that Promised Land, God's blessings, etc., and then a lot of history after that that leads to just the depths of like another slavery again when they go off to exile, and uh, in Babylon. And so when they came back out during this period of time after that and when Jesus came, a lot, of, a lot of people mistakenly said, well, why did we end up in exile? Well, we must not have strictly obeyed all the laws perfectly. And so to prevent us from breaking those laws, we're going to create these other laws that themselves, if you don't break those, then you certainly won't break the, the, the ones that got us in trouble before. So we're going to create all these ones on the outside that prevent you from actually breaking the ones on the inside, and they thought it was all about doing, doing, doing. And we see as Jesus comes along later, it's not about doing, 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 it's about being. It's about the inside being clean rather than the outside. And they tried to they tried for an outside-in cleanness when Jesus is saying, no, it's not that way at all. And so, sadly, these extra laws were then added, and it put a real burden on the people. And so, the Sabbath, which was designed to be a blessing, actually has become a burden as these people are paranoid about what should I do or not do, and if I'm going to, you know, am I going to sin, etc. And it was, it was really sad. Pastor Jared Bartholomew puts it like this. He said, the Sabbath had become a litany of legalistic laws that limited life. I just noticed that. What's that, alliteration, Kevin? <laughs> This is serious, though, so let me say it again. The Sabbath had become a litany of legalistic laws that limited life, promoting pious perfection instead of personal holiness. There it is again. I didn't notice that in the first service. But the point is rather somber. Um, pursuing holiness before the Lord had been replaced by pursuing perfection in the eyes of others. Um, it's really not that different, you guys, from some of us today. The net result is that not only sometimes do we beat ourselves up over what should I do or should I not do on on the Sabbath, but unfortunately, we also beat up others, figuratively speaking, hopefully, for doing what we think they shouldn't do on the Sabbath. So that's what the Sabbath had become when Jesus arrived on the scene, and He was not happy. (laughs) Thankfully, though, Jesus exposed the errors that had crept in then and which still trip some of us up today. In so doing, he made it clear what keeping the Sabbath truly means. Next, I want to look at Matthew 12, 1 to 8. Stephanie also read these verses, and um, I'm not going to have you read these because I'm going to put in some commentary throughout the reading of it. And here we have Jesus, and it says in in verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, that was already a no-no because you're only allowed to go a very short distance according to these extra laws. And so, um, that's already strike one against Jesus and his buddies. Going on, his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. Strike two. <laughs> you see on the, uh, your bulletin cover, the same picture as, he, as you see up there on the screen, um, apparently going and, and picking things and eating them was also the breaking of uh, these extra laws. And so, now these guys are down in the count, zero and two. Um, and I'll just maybe kind of just take a step back for a second along the lines of what I, what I just mentioned a second ago. Um, have you ever done that? <laughs> have you ever judged somebody for what they're doing? Maybe you're driving by and somebody's like running and you're on your way to your church and, and they're like running and they're like, well, <laughs> I guess they're not going to church today. I've never done that before, but maybe you have. Um, <laughs> that's a judgmental spirit, you guys, that we can all have sometimes. And the, the sad thing is most of the time we have absolutely no idea what the circumstances are behind what they're doing, what they're doing. And again, who made up these rules that that Jesus is talking about here? You won't find walking 50 feet or plucking heads of grain and eating them as as breaking the law in God's Word. These were made up by the Pharisees. Unfortunately, many of the things that we harp about today, about people doing on Sundays, you won't find in the Scriptures either. Going on, Jesus answered, "'Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry?' He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath day in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. What's greater than the temple? Jesus is referring to himself. In other words, he's saying, listen up. I'm going to set you straight about this Sabbath thing, and I have the authority to do so. So he goes on, if you had known what these words mean... I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent. And we see a very similar story in Mark, chapter three, verses one to six, if you want to go there on your own time and check that out, where Jesus heals the hand of a crippled man, and healing, for some odd reason, is also breaking that extra law uh, that the Pharisees had. The moral of these two stories, God desires for us to be merciful to others, in these cases, those who were hungry and one who was hurting way more than being sacrificial. Maybe it's giving up our Sunday afternoon to help somebody, or maybe giving up something you own to help somebody else. The the bottom line is God wants us to show mercy, which focuses on the other person, rather than sacrifice, which sadly puts a lot of the focus on us. And when we do that, that's one way of keeping the Sabbath, showing mercy to our neighbors. So should we actually do more then than go home and physically rest on a Sunday after worship? Well, physical rest is fine on some Sundays, even many Sundays. So I'm not saying, no, we don't do that anymore. But Paul does say in a number of places in Scripture, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And what Christ did was He met needs. And sometimes He met them on the Sabbath. Sabbath. And that's what many of us are going to do this afternoon after second service with Charlotte Serve, and that you can do as well. I'm going to explain that in a little bit. So that's one way of keeping the Sabbath holy is by showing mercy to your neighbors. Now, I don't think that Jesus is saying here or anywhere else that you have to do that on every Sunday, but it should characterize at least some of our Sundays. So you might not get a nap this afternoon if you serve with Charlotte Serve, but you will definitely be keeping the Sabbath holy. John Piper said this Jesus did not abolish the Sabbath, but dug it out from under a mountain of legalistic sediment because it was given as a blessing and not a burden. How else can we keep the Sabbath holy? Well, one way is just simply asking this question How can I make today special or different from other days this week? Maybe it's just watching one or two games this afternoon. Instead of the 1 o'clock game, the 4.30 game, and the 8.30 Sunday night football. I knew the times of those just because I was doing my research. (laughs) And so maybe you just watch one or maybe two games and not all three. And and, and maybe you spend extra time serving your neighbor or going on a walk and actually meeting your neighbor. Um, Or maybe you go read the Word or, or you pray or you spend time with family and friends. That's what I believe would... it. Means back in Exodus 20 when God says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's not a Sabbath just to go and and rest. It's a Sabbath to Him, to the Lord our God. Be intentional and mindful of God instead of simply doing mindless things. Let me read that again because I need to hear it. Keeping the Sabbath holy can mean being intentionally mindful of God instead of simply doing mindless things. It's taking a walk with that extra time you now have, noticing the beauty of God's creation or pointing it out to your family and friends as you walk with them. It's doing yard work or decorating your house or apartment, not so the neighbors notice you, but with a heart that says, thank you, God, for this place that you've given me to live. As I decorate and do yard work or whatever, I do it With a thankful heart to you. Whatever you do, be mindful of God and you'll be keeping the Sabbath and keeping it holy. It's also the spirit of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, where Paul writes So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's a Sabbath mindset. So what is it that destroys our rest? For me, it's often the tyranny of the urgent those things that just have to get done. Or maybe it's my desire just to veg out and do mindless things instead of being intentionally mindful of God. And don't get me wrong, doing mindless things is okay sometimes, (laughs) maybe even a lot of the time, but just make sure they're not all that characterizes our Sundays. So what is it that destroys your day of rest? Maybe it's one of these couple things. Maybe it's a poor work ethic. Maybe you procrastinate a little bit, and so you've got to do work on Sundays and the Sabbath that you could have gotten done earlier in the week if you'd been more intentional about that. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you like having other people see you work hard and enjoy the tats on the back for that. One pastor says it like this, lots of us observe the Sabbath day without a Sabbath heart. Or maybe it's religious works. So, those things you do or you don't do on a Sunday, but they don't spring from a Sabbath heart to the Lord. It's important to identify what destroys your Sabbath day and then ask for Holy Spirit's strength to make a change and keep it holy. So, where does this leave us in regard to Charlotte's serve this afternoon? Quite honestly, I think it might leave some of you here this morning, you who now have not rested for a week or two or three or a month. <laughs> And this afternoon, you guys, maybe you should just skip out on Serve, and rest, and actually rest. All of this striving and stress and anxiety, all these circumstances you're going through, things you're striving for, it's just not how God designed you to be doing that 24-7. Solomon, the world's wisest person, called it in Ecclesiastes a chasing after the wind. You're so worried about things and so busy trying to fix everything, that you end up with anxiety and depression because of these things. In all of those things, somewhere along the line, you've got to recognize that you have to stop striving on your own and believe in God when He says in in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. If that's you this morning, know that Jesus is your ultimate Sabbath rest, He says, Come unto me, all you who are weary laden, weary and heavy laden, rather, and you will find rest for your souls. If that's you, the best thing for you to do this afternoon probably is to go somewhere and be still and know that God is your rest. Read the word, pray, and just let Jesus be your Sabbath rest. For some of you, though, it might mean changing those plans that you had to veg out this afternoon. And instead, go out and serve our community after church. And so, we're done here in a second. You're going to have an opportunity to go out in the lobby and actually sign up today. So, just because you don't have a red shirt on and, and, and you didn't know or whatever, and God's putting it on in your heart, you can still, we have room for you. So, you can go out in the lobby and ask, Where can I serve? I want to serve like Jesus served. Final question What might we miss out on, you guys, if we say no to what God is unequivocally, unequivocally Calling us to do. Yeah, God, I can't. I'm I'm too busy or I don't have the right skill set. Neither of those are an excuse (laughs) this afternoon. You don't have to be skilled at anything. You just have to come out. (laughs) We'll put you to work. What might we miss out on if we say no to what God is unequivocally calling us to do? Instead of saying, no, I can't do that or I won't do that, say, yes, I can do that. I can care for my neighbors. I can help in one of these projects. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much. God, you know us. You know, God, our need for rest. And so, God, I pray for those weary and heavy laden here. Would you give them rest for their souls? Physical rest if they need it, spiritual rest if they need it. God, I, I thank you that you've given us the Sabbath for rest, but also as a way to reflect on you and how you provide so faithfully for your people. And God, thank you for this opportunity to be able to come and gather and praise your name and sing thanks to you here as we gather at Stonebridge and all throughout the city and the world, wherever your people gather. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you give us an opportunity to show mercy. You showed mercy. You gave us such a great pattern. Thank you. God, use us to be agents of mercy this afternoon. God, please give us wisdom, each and every one of us. You know what steals our rest. Give each and every one of us wisdom to know how we can better honor you and and keep that day you've given us holy. Lord, please bless the offering that we're about to take now. Uh, May that be a blessing to you, Lord, as we give uh, out of thanks to what you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.